Want to know more about what your favorite ninjas have on their minds? Check out the American Ninja Warrior podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, and it's a great listen for any Ninja Warrior fan. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast, where we are recording this shortly after Real Madrid got dismantled, absolutely dismantled at Parc des Princes in a match that was uh, not fun to watch if you're a Real Madrid fan. And joining me, Kian Sabani, to break this down is Eduardo Alvarez, who, by the way, was very skeptical heading into this game. Ed, how are you feeling? Well, frustrated. Uh, and and it's one of those times when you hate to be right, <laughs> but... I didn't like the lineup from the very beginning, and uh, um, it's it's just uh, something that I half expected. We we pressed in a an extremely disorganized way. We broke it, the team in two, uh, and then the individual, not only the the group performance, but the individual performances were were just atrocious. At least four or five players well below the the level that is expected for, for a team when they go to play the first Champions League match of the season in, in Paris. So, yeah, an extremely frustrating night. I think there was, like, there, there was something clearly wrong to me just by looking at the team. Um, and I know that's just, like, this, you know, the most obvious thing to say in this podcast, but, I like, you can go down and you can talk about individual mistakes and all these plays in isolation that add up, whether it was James and Cruz looking like just completely confused in their press and where, where to go defensively, looking at each yep. other. Cruz yep. not... You go back and rewind. All those three goals, actually, Cruz was just jogging. Um, the first one, he was the one letting Di Maria go into the box. The third one, he just completely decided not to track. I don't know who it was who gave the assist. Now, was it Di Maria? Who yep. I don't remember, but... Um, so there was that. There was um, some of pa- the passing on the back, namely from Carvajal, was unbelievable this game. I, I just couldn't even yeah. believe what he was doing up yeah. there. There was all these things yeah. that were adding up, yet, and then obviously Courtois, the far post in the first goal, yet. Yeah, every 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 shot on goal is, is just a goal, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. And of course, that stat that is widely circulated now that this was the first time Real Madrid had failed to register a shot on goal in years. I don't know the exact figure, but... Since 2003. Wow. Uh, since Opta oh Records uh, keeps <laughs> keeps tracking this. So theoretically, <laughs> so it could be longer. Years, it's just what we have on record. It could right? be longer. It's like Jeez. 160 matches, something like that. That that I'm I'm blown away. I did not think it was that long. That's crazy. Um, it, it's kind of tricky because we had two goals disallowed, and there were a couple of like the the free kick from Bale and and uh, and a very close range shot from Hazard. Uh, so. You but, had the Benzema yes, chance to at the far post. At the yeah, Keylor Navas didn't have to take a single save yeah, in nothing. 90 minutes. Um, so all of those mistakes that kind of just we just listed, yet I, I feel like none of those can be the blame of the team. 
as weird as it sounds. Like you can you can talk about all the individual mistakes. There's something deeper that like by the time that pe- like halftime had rolled out, nothing changed. They Real just started holding the ball a little bit, but they had no way through. PSG were supremely organized. A lot of credit to Tuchel, and and you just there was no. I, I, with each passing minute, this is how I felt, and maybe you felt differently. I felt that it was more and more improbable to come back, and I just didn't see a way. I didn't see any counters to PSG's tactics. I didn't see any solutions surfacing. I just it looked lifeless to me. But this this is the surprise. This is what happens when you don't have a midfield. <laughs> That's it's just it's what happened with a team that uh, cannot generate or stop the the opposition. Um, the reason why I didn't like the the starting lineup is because I see Jay, I see Hamas as a forward. Even if he plays on midfield, he's always thinking of going forward and. Uh, He's not a pure mid- midfielder at all. He's, he's more like Isco and less than Modric, if, if I can use those those comparisons. So this Zidane's Real Madrid, or the way that Zidane wants them to play without being too complex uh, tactically, is just that it works better when uh, whoever plays on a free roll has three midfielders behind them. So we've, we, we saw the final in Cardiff with... Cross Modric, Casimiro, then Isco on a free roll, and then two forwards. Um, if you use James in midfield, the whole thing, uh, or or when when they used Isco against the top team, the whole thing goes down because they don't really know how to play defense with each other. They don't know when to press or when to stop. Cross Modric and, and Casimiro have that. Uh, they understand each other better, and and I honestly believe that. Zidane doesn't work a lot tactically on this. So we're now at a point when we have to trust that uh, the players know each other uh, well enough so that they don't make any mistakes when, when, they're, when they're pressing high or medium or low. And of course, James hasn't been in the team for three years and doesn't even remember uh, how they play or how they... Uh, execute uh, both in office and defense. So we were disorganized most of the time. And uh, the only way, and I agree with you, the only way this lineup was going to work was having like 75% possession and playing most of the match on the opposition's uh, pitch, which could be could could have been a possibility because they lacked their, their top three players. Yeah. But... That was never the case. We never seemed to be, and and I agree with you. Uh, the team looked slightly better at the beginning and and created some chances at the beginning. But once they were two 0 down, uh, it was really hard to 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 think that they could recover again because they never dominated uh, the middle of the pitch uh, and the substitutions w- were never going to so. To solve that, uh, the, there's no one coming off the vents that that is gonna fix a problem on, in on midfield. So maybe, so you you brought up all these systemic issues and the team problems. So maybe I'm naive, but like, I don't see a world where a, a player, a midfielder, walks into this team and then everything's okay. Like, so people when when Real Madrid were bad in the preseason. A lot of people were like, well, it's because Casemiro hasn't come back from international duty yet. Once he comes back, everything is solved. 
And I just, and I just thought to myself, it's as if he like he wasn't around last season when the team was in its slump. And by the way, I think actually Casemiro was was good today. He was, I mean, from what what he had to work with, he I thought he did well. It's not a knock on Casemiro, but like now there's this yeah. idea floating that like if Isco and Modric are around, all of a sudden everything gets fixed. I just think like the injuries are part of it. So what are you going to do to to mask your you know the injuries or the suspensions? I, I bet you, Ed, if you fast-forward this to the springtime, April, May, June, whatever the apex of the season is, I bet you there's going to be injuries. I bet you you're not ever going to have your full-strength lineup. That's kind of the reality that I'm I'm just used to. And so there's always going to be that excuse. Like, you think Tuchel looked at this game and was like, I don't have three of the best players in the world in my attack. So, like, I mean, he got it right, like, without those players. So, obviously, there's there's a way to do things systemically that you know it, it just it, it just seems like there's deeper issues to me beyond the players that are on the pitch <clears throat> no but but uh i have to disagree with you on on the sense that uh we have no bench uh, it, uh, you need the bench for the injuries and at some point in the past if modric picked up an injury you had kovacic and uh, uh if uh i don't know there there was if uh, Cristiano wasn't 100% or Benzema wasn't 100%, Morata was there. Or if Isco wasn't playing well, James was there. We just don't have that anymore, and especially on midfield. If either Casemiro, Cross, or Modric pick up an injury, there's no one else. Just no one else. I'm, uh, I'm not sure you saw uh, how was the, uh, the announcement of the squad that was traveling to, to Paris... Uh, on the Real Madrid Twitter account. Uh, three goalies, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. eight defenders, three midfielders, <laughs> and eight forwards. Yeah, It makes no sense. You can do... Uh, when the injuries come, and of course, Modric is an extremely uh, unreliable, unreliable player in, ter- in terms of fitness, like, like we have so many others, like Bale or Carvajal or Marcelo who pick up injuries all the time. Mm. But there's just no alternative. James, again, James is not an alternative to Modric. And that was the first mistake today. But I agree with you. Not only the the depth of the, of the squad is an issue, but there's um, deeper issues. And, and that's where I believe that the, this team doesn't look like it's tactically has worked as much as it should uh, to face Paris Saint-Germain in Paris or even to go to Sevilla on Sunday, which is our next match against Lopetegui yeah. leading La Liga, which is a, is a funny one. I mean, so, so heading yeah, into... there's plenty. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, sorry. Well, heading into this game, I I I looked at those two games on the schedule and I, and I thought Sevilla would have been the tougher game against PSG. And I still think it's actually going to be tougher. I'm, you know, maybe it won't be as tough as what we saw today, <laughs> but it's it's not going to be any easier, I don't think. Because um, the Pijuan is a ridiculously tough place to play, and Sevilla are top of the table, and they're playing well. And by the way, this whole like we obviously have something where X players just go crazy against us. Um, what a day for Di Maria, Sarabia, and Kaylor, especially Di Maria. Um, and you know, Regulon will obviously have a point to prove. He's been one of the league's best players this season. <laughs> but I guess yeah. my issue is that like I, I this this problem of lack of depth is not going anywhere this season so i just think that like 
I don't see. We have to live with it. Agreed. Yeah, yes. that's this is. Yeah, that's my point. I think we're gonna have to live with it. So we're gonna have to. And I right at this moment, and you you talk about like being proven right or wrong and not wanting to be right about this game. I hope to God I'm wrong about this. I hope, I hope I'm so wrong about this. But I don't think I am. But I hope I am. Um, I don't right now have the trust in our tactics. Um, to overcome the lack of depth and in injuries. So, like, if if the idea was that, like, James shouldn't be playing as deep as he was today and kind of playing that role, and if he's not pressing, then you're asking him to do defensive duties. The team was pinned. They couldn't get out of their, their half. Um, like, there really wasn't much else Zidane could do. Could he have? Like, there was no other midfielder. And I don't think, like, if you call up a midfielder from Castilla in this game, he's not going to play. So I, I, I suppose I see the logic in that. So like I don't, it didn't bother me as much. And, I, and I'll be honest, I was one of the ones who I thought this lineup would work. But I do think also he used it wrong. Like that team, they didn't press PSG at all. They, they, they let them do whatever they wanted. Um, and their defense, defensively, they were a mess. So I just think at least if you're going to play this way, at least press high and try to control the tempo. But you, they just they couldn't and they didn't. So... I just don't have the confidence right now for us to overcome these these squad building issues. Um, and you know, I just players are also not in, in form. So you know, it's I'm not. It's, I don't think the blame is entirely on Zidane. I don't think the blame is entirely on the players. It's probably dispersed a little bit everywhere right now. Mm, uh, but I don't think I, I I was looking for the stat and I I couldn't find it. But I don't think it's a question of of running or shape. I think they did run a lot today, and and. And I think the best example is James because he did an amazing effort on the pitch, but he's just not a defensive player. So he could probably run twice as much as Casemiro and he wouldn't get a single ball <laughs> recovered. Uh, he, he was good he with the ball at his ground, feet today. He was good yes, offensively with his passing. Because that's what he does. That's what he does. He changes, switches sides, and he's really smart. He gives us that extra second of thinking where the ball should go, where... I mean, uh, we discussed this, yeah, it, it, it's, there's a lot less crosses when James is on the pitch. But again, uh, he should be free enough to roam and do whatever do whatever he wants and decide when or where he's going to hurt the, the other team and not thinking that he has to track back because he has defensive duties and otherwise he's going to leave Casemiro and cross... Uh, Completely sold on 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 whoever team is gonna is, is attacking. Uh, I agree with you because I don't think I mean we all I, I don't think anyone believes that that Zidane is a tactical master and that's never been his his thing. But it it does surprise me to hear him in the press conference after the match saying that it was a matter of intensity. I just don't think it was a matter of intensity. He, he said that PSG pressed. A lot more than 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 Real Madrid, and to me it was a question of a lot more organized than Real Madrid. We were running like headless chickens, but it wasn't a question of not running. I didn't. I saw Benzema take a bunch of sprints, but the fact is that and the fact is that when you play with those almost four forwards, at some point they stop tracking back, and but that's gonna happen no matter what, and I think they did as almost as much as they could uh, physically. So, yeah, the question is, we need to be better organized on the pitch. And we looked like uh, like a bunch of guys who just met each other trying to play football. 
Check out the American Ninja Warrior podcast for a behind-the-scenes look at all the action of the show and more with your favorite competitors. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Um, nine crosses tonight, by the way. You brought up quickly like we crossed less. <laughs> That's uh, an absurdly low number for Real Madrid. Um, yeah. I haven't seen any Zidane quotes um, yet after the game, so um, I guess the intensity thing does surprise me. The only the 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 instances where I can circle there was a lack of intensity was pretty much any any cross sequence on defense. Um, he presses well generally, but he's the cross thing. I think for for a long time when Real Madrid were winning, we brought it up periodically on the podcast where he just he jogs in transition where it's like clear yes, that you could yeah. even if the plan was like to like tell like I I don't we there are people who tried to find every excuse in the book to to kind of not talk about cross jogging when the team was winning because he's he, it was kind of taboo to talk bad about him for a while. Um, but I think when the team collapses like this, it becomes more magnified. They're like, this is just a problem. Um, but you also, you mentioned Benzema. I thought part of the... Um, p- part of the... Anytime Real Madrid looked dangerous in the first half was Benzema dropping deep to like try to dispossess players. Um and then Ramja would the ball would like fall to James and he would play a nice pass to to Bale in the overlap or something or it was Bale himself and Bale, you mentioned you listed off at the top of the show kind of the chances that came his way obviously the free kick they had the chance where Kaylor was cut out he tried a one time shot it, yep. um, and then the disallowed goal which was a beautiful finish but it was it was illegal so. Uh, but he was—he completely disappeared in the second half. I don't even know where he was. I don't. We tried to go through Hazard more, but Hazard was like the amount of space he had to work with zero was zero, and he had, um, and he obviously didn't look 100% match fit to me either. So, I guess to bring this back, Ed, and sorry to bring this discussion back because I know you—you you didn't like the lineup. But my question to you is, what do you do with the resources you had today? How would you even do this differently? Because there's no other player you could put in there besides James. No, or I would have played just, with, with two wingers. So you'd have like maybe Lucas uh, Vasquez or? I would have Cross uh, and Modric, uh, Cross and, and Casemiro in the middle. And and two uh, hardworking guys on the sides. Because otherwise there's just too much space to cover. Yeah. Mm. So you and go maybe uh, Jovic up top then, 4-4-2. Maybe, maybe a more traditional 4-4-2 or, or use Bale and Benzema up front, but um, it, it's just that I know what with what we have and and the injuries, it is tough. But I would have been slightly more conservative. Obviously, you think we're playing Paris Saint Germain and there's no Cavani, no Neymar, no Mbappe. We need to go. We need to get out there to for the win. But the team hasn't been confident. I mean, this is a lineup to play Levante at home, not to play PSG away even if they have half of the team injured. Uh, I would have been slightly more conservative. And then uh, as the match progresses, you see if, if you can take any more risks or you need to to, to take any more risks. But, but as a starting lineup, uh, I don't know. I didn't have I, I didn't have good good feelings. But that's that's again, it's just it's just James. The, the, the only the only if, if you have James, you need to have three behind them. Uh, uh, I, I just can't see him pressing. It's, it's just not him. Uh, it, it, he, he just and and again, he made an amazing effort today, like he's been doing in every single match he's played this season. But I want him making that effort 
20 meters forward rather than in the middle of the pitch. We were playing 4-2-4 from the 10th minute. That's just, I mean, obviously Cross and, and Casimiro didn't know where they were. On top of Cross's obvious defensive limitations, but yeah, uh, this this is not a, a, a tactical formation that would help us. Uh, mm, it, this would only work if we have the ball all the time, and the other team are really limited in terms of passing or, and, and pressing. And this was not the case. Well, I think like one of the things, and I mean, even like with the lineup you at, like this, you at least expect to create a bunch of chances if you're going to concede a bunch of chances. But it wasn't the case because I thought yeah. the team looked like they were in two different worlds. One was like there are two obvious paths you could paths you could have taken. You could have sat deep and absorbed pressure and kind of closed off passing lanes and tried to counter. That's not always possible if the other team doesn't really want the ball as much. But there were plenty of instances in this game where PSG had the ball coming out of the back and not only were they not being pressed, but they were also, they had a bunch of space to kind of play these passing triangles and work their way up the pitch unchallenged. Yeah. And like, yeah. I think like the lack of numbers in midfield um, was apparent in that, in that sense and just the lack of organization. And, and again, I didn't see any path to goal from Real Madrid. I didn't, I didn't see like a, a, a switch you could, that Zidane could flip at halftime where he was like, this is what we're going to do differently. Nothing changed. Um, and so there was, there didn't seem to be an, an adjustment or any answer. Like, they, and they didn't really change much. Um, was there any, anything that you could take out of this game where you were like, that was good. Like any, anything that was like positive for you, anyone that stood, stood out to you that did their job or I have one, well, but I just wanted to know what you thought. Um, going one by one is, it, it, it is it is tough. <laughs> I'm going through the lineup. <laughs> I just want to cry, but I still believe that Mendy is a decent player and that he can he can become a a, a pretty reliable left fullback if if he's uh, granted some opportunities. He's physically amazing. He he had a couple of moments when. I mean, he, he overtook Sarabia with a knees that was almost humiliating to Sarabia yeah. in, in, a couple of, in a couple of long balls. Um, and he doesn't do anything foolish with, with the ball. So I, I, I really am I'm, I'm starting to warm up to Mendy. And then, but then the rest of the team, yeah, Bale and Benzema in the second half, it took Benzema like six, seven minutes to, to touch the first ball. And Bale, I, I just can't remember him doing anything and uh, then Hazard I don't know it's, it's, it's really hard to single one out yeah it Casemiro yeah. did work for for uh, for the for three in in the middle of the pitch but the rest of the team is so flat yeah so unresponsive uh, yeah yeah you, you couldn't see you, you saw them running again like like robots but there was no no one leading what needed to happen to 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 change things on the pitch. That's about yeah. right. That's pretty much how, what my assessment was too. The good that I could take away from this game was I thought Mendy was, apart from there was this sequence in the first half, like in the second minute, where he lets Icardi get behind him. Other than that, I think yeah. he did pretty much everything he could defensively, including that instance you speak of with Sarabia. 
um, and also was good with the ball at his feet. I thought Casemiro was good. Largely, his his individually, his good outweighed his bad. And he actually had this nice moment where, like, he turned under pressure and like and got the team high up the pitch, which was really nice. And with the ball, I thought Hazard or James was probably our best player. Um, Bale was maybe the most dangerous in terms of what he did in the first half and his ability to to put pressure on PSG. And James yeah. was just like he had some really nice passing in the first half. But again, it was I don't think this team was built in this scheme to to hurt PSG. And um, and that was apparent. I don't know if you saw Guti put out a tweet. Um, <clears throat> just yes, casually <laughs> yeah. casually playing himself in the put planting some seeds with Florentino. I don't. Know. <laughs> I feel like him, yeah. him and, and Mourinho now in the past few days, they're strategically saying things publicly to uh, put themselves in I looked in the out of Twitter just to, 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 to avoid reading more Mourinho-related tweets, for the love of God. Oh, it's, it's, it's I, only going to heat up, my oh. friend. Oh, Guti's God, tweet no. was um, that, if you haven't seen it, was that when you go to Paris and play against PSG without their three stars and you're not able to compete with them, then it's bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I read, I read it. Yes, I feel like that's a. It's a strange for him to be that critical, and you know, being that he's close with Zidane. And, um, but anyway, I just feel like there's a, there's some seeds being planted on his part there. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Yes, indeed. Ki- kind of off topic, Ed. But uh, as soon as this game ended, my feed cut to the Atleti Juve game, and like yes, the virtually the that, last yeah. kick of the game, Ronaldo has this amazing play where he nearly yes. scores the game. When did you see that? <laughs> yes, quite amazing. I saw that. Imagine if that had gone in because it was a really nice move in the 94th <laughs> minute or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, it, enough that that he eliminated them uh, with a hat-trick last season. That, that was enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Didn't need to score again. Hey, I'm Spencer Hall. I'm Holly Anderson. I'm Ryan Nanny. I'm Jason Kirk. And we're the hosts of the Shutdown Fullcast, your Avengers of College Football podcast. It says here in the script, I'm to riff on what that means. And basically what I mean is it's all already spoiled. Every Tuesday, we talk about everything from cooking disasters to pro wrestling to unfashionable pants we wore in middle school. We also do talk about college football every now and then, like mascot fights, announcers fleeing the booth early, and unfashionable pants that coaches wear now. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it should be taken, subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. What is... I kind of feel like Carvajal deserves his own segment. I don't know. It just... Yeah. He's so... I'm so worried about that position at this point. There's something going on. I agree. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah with, uh, last, uh, last weekend against Levante, uh, the fir- at the end of the first half, we were all commenting that the full team were, had played fantastic, fantastically well and we had no complaints, 3-0 at halftime. And we were all saying, Carvajal is back. Carvajal had uh, it looks fast again, and uh, he's concentrated and focused, and no one's uh, no one's getting his back. And and then the second half, he completely um, he made every mistake in the book. He gave away, away the ball. He he lost a couple of of sprints. He 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 was dribbled easily. Um, he lost his position. He did everything wrong. It was like. What what happened during halftime? I mean, did you drink anything? What happened? This is it makes no sense. 
And today he just picked up where he left it in the second half on, on Saturday. I, I just I'm I'm really concerned because he, he just he just can't play a full ninety minutes like the player he used to be two years ago. And he's still young. He is, yeah. Um he's absolutely by no means should be theoretically past his peak. I feel this way about several players in the squad, but Carvajal's one to me and there were instances in this in this game where I just I couldn't believe how he broke down a simple pass when a team had a good attacking opportunity. There was one in the second half um, where I actually have it in my notes somewhere here. Now I'm, I have so many notes I can't even. It was 50th minute. It was and it was it was a chance where Real Madrid had a rare chance to counter, which they didn't have often this game, and those were their best opportunities to score. And Bale. If he gets that ball down the flank, he's gone. And Carvajal somehow, I don't know what he does, but he yes. passes it inside or to the middle, and it, it was a mess, and it, it wasted another opportunity, and uh, the, he had a couple uh, moments the, like that. The first thing is that that wasn't Carvajal's pass to make. He doesn't do that. Mm. He should he should have looked for someone else and then bail. Right. But Go do it was an indirect pass. something rushed... Um, Again, it's a lot of focus, a lack of focus, and just wanting to do more than than he can, and and that he's been that's been one of the reasons why he's playing so poorly because he's trying to do too many things, and and especially some of them that are not long balls are not Carvajal's specialty at all, and uh, well, yeah, it's concerning, but I. I still think it's more kind is is something have to, having to do with his focus rather than anything physical or but he needs he needs to get it right. He's, he's just playing awful football right now. Um what, what anything else you want to talk about before we go to questions? No, I'm I'm just care about Sevilla. Uh, <laughs> I I mean I I wasn't like I I I I wasn't thinking that Sevilla were the tougher of these two matches, but now after after PSG did this did this to us, I, I'm I'm just I don't know what the state of mind of the team going into Sevilla. Then uh, Lopetegui and Reilon wanting to to score a few on us. It's gonna be a really tough match, and Sevilla is always a tough stadium, noisy, yeah. um, tough tough. Uh, tough place to play generally is we have had our our big wins there during the Ronaldo era yeah but um yeah you know I don't I don't think we can compare that to this right now but um yes I am also concerned about that Ed uh we'll see what happens um <laughs> it should it should be stressful I I, I imagine um okay patreon.com slash managing Madrid is where you go to pledge get guaranteed responses to your questions um, we get do a lot of post-game shows that are not free. This one is, um, but some of them are not. Our loan tracker is only for patrons. That's our, on Tuesday where Matt Wiltsey and I, we watch every Real Madrid player on loan over the weekend, and we review their performance for you, among other rewards. So check it out, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. So question coming in from Ahmed Al-Mayahi, our patron. I'm going to do my best to summarize it. It's pretty long-winded, and, um, and, and it kind of just came in. I haven't had time to process it much, but... This question, in a way, is uh, kind of reflective of just like the emotions of a Madridista who was who kind of not happy and trying to process after a result like this. 
Um, Ahmed starts off by saying, guys, I'm frustrated in a sense that if you look on paper, clearly we were the more dangerous side, and that's why I remain so confident about this game, but I was wrong. I think Zidane put the right lineup, but the tactical approach was wrong. I wanted to see a more direct slash counterattacking real uh, Real Madrid rather than a slow, pragmatic one. Um, there's always this debate that um, exists with with regards to teams and, and big teams, especially. Um, should you impose your will, or should you adjust your tactics and be reactive to your opponent in a in an away game that's a bit more difficult? Um, this PSG team, they had midfielder Verratti, Gay, and Mar- Marquinhos, uh, a clearly a more defensive lineup. But um, we allowed their we allowed them to play their game, and we were responding to them. What do you think of all this, Ed? This is just kind of just my my best way to summarize this question. But I do agree in the sense that I thought the lineup there was nothing wrong with the lineup. I thought the way the execution of the tactics were didn't it just wasn't quite there. Um, but you did kind of talk at the beginning of the show about um, this idea of you know how how you should kind of should you be more reactive or not? What do you, how do you feel about this? Because this is obviously, you know, you and I and others on this podcast have have talked about Real Madrid's historical games and, and kind of there's this, there's this, is this thing infused in their DNA that the fans want to see them kind of impose their will and and dictate on their terms how to, how to play. But it's, there's a lot of nuance to this question, but how do, you, how do you take this question? How do you answer it? Well, if you remember... Um... Z- the Zidane of old uh, wanted to play 4-3-3 with the BBC every single match because he said that Bale, Benzema and Cristiano were the best three players in the team and that they should start every match. And that put a huge stress on, on the three midfielders behind them But uh, because Casemiro, Modric and Cross were so good back then, uh, they could deal with it. And then after a while, he evolved into a, let's say, more controlling uh, the BBC was, in fact, a more counter-attacking team than than the evolution after that. Uh, yeah. When when he started to play Isco and Bale came off the bench, yeah. Uh, that team had had more ball possession, more control over the match. And what we saw today, to me, was uh, as we said at the beginning, was very easily. Some thought that this was a four-two-three-one. With uh, James in, behind the striker, but to me that was very easily going to be a four-four-two-four, and and uh, it, it's a question of the type of players you're you're using, not only the tactical and the and what you say to them that they need to do, but uh, but players have uh, uh, strengths and and weaknesses and. To, uh, obviously, uh, well, well, we discussed this. I mean, this was probably the the moment when Zidane thought thought that this was uh, it was right to go for the jugular in Paris, and obviously it didn't work out. Um, <clears throat> pardon me if I were to look at this in the most optimistic way possible, and this obviously contradicts a little bit what I said at the beginning of the show, and that. I don't really see a universe where the entire team is going to be healthy this season. So I think you're going to have to figure out. Sometimes on the fly, but sometimes you're just going to have to have yep. a system ingrained um, to make up for the, the lack of health and available bodies. But um, if you were to kind of look at this in an optimistic light and maybe kind of rewind it back 
two years ago where we lost to Tottenham. I, they were, I believe they were playing at Wembley at the time, but I could be wrong. I can't, I can't remember for sure. But um, Tottenham blew Real Madrid away. <clears throat> they scored three goals against them. Real Madrid looked paralyzed in attack. They couldn't defend. Um, they, they ended up going on to win the Champions League after that horrific away defeat. Um, part of me thinks that, like, obviously, we have a track record of bouncing back when the team is their backs are against the wall. And, you know, once players start coming back, if you look at this, this might be about as freakish of a situation you can encounter with Modric out, Isco out, and Valverde out at the same time. Um, yeah. Now, having said that, also that that team that lost against Tottenham was just better than this one. Um, like you, they had Cristiano Ronaldo and, and a peak Modric. So, like, there is that. So, you know, maybe it's not even fair to look at it that way. But I just... Where do you see the team going from here? I know this is very difficult to to answer and predict, but we have a little bit more sample size now than we did at the beginning of the season. But it's still it's still early, so I, I don't know. But but how are you gen, like genuinely feeling for the rest of the I think campaign? We, I think we've discussed uh, the summary. Of what we've discussed is that Zidane right now is at a crossroads because he has to work with what he, he has, and he didn't expect to have this team, obviously. Because otherwise he wouldn't have sold half of the midfield in the summer. So he needs to decide whether he's going to be more conservative uh, in his lineups. No matter who's injured. Uh, obviously the team is not in a position to play extre- extremely offensive football or to play without some some uh, caution uh, and they're defending terribly so he's gonna I mean uh, if he applies the same lineup on Sunday in Sevilla I'd be shocked uh, I mean I, I know no, uh, from yeah. the first question so, sometimes sometimes yeah you you I mean it's great when you have a, a defined style and and you know how to play and this used to be the case with Zidane with the 4-3-3 and then with Zidane with the 4-3 one two. Now is not even clear. Remember, he was playing five at the back in the summer, uh, so it's not clear what he wants to do. And he will all. all uh, I mean, if I were him, I would go more conservative rather than than uh, than more offensive because uh, right now the team is not being able to to defend properly and, and they need an extra man in defense or in the middle of the pitch uh, will help a lot. So in the first set of games, like I, you brought up the five-man defense. I Sometimes I just forget that that happened in the preseason. That was so random to me still. Like there was no ex, no real explanation. We just two two games heading into the season. We experimented with Five three two three five two, however you want to view it, at the back, and then we never saw it again. That was to me still one of the most confusing things I've seen in a long time. Um, but then you go through, and every game has been different from a tactical perspective. So again, it's not easy to know what he'll do. But I, I brought this up earlier in the season. I think it was after, I don't know if it was the after the Levante game. No, it was the one before that. Uh, I just kind of brought up this fact that every game is different. And this is, to me, the reason why Real Madrid do better in the Champions than they do in the league. It's because when you're when you're so versatile with your tactics and kind of try to get it 
kind of are so reactive to the opponent, um, there's more chance in a single off game to catch your opponent off guard than over the course of a 40 game league where every you're just adjusting on the fly. And kind of we know there's proof of being reactive to your opponent because you saw the Valladolid game, how it was completely different. And then you go into Villarreal and then Zidane after the game in against Villarreal, he said that we knew Villarreal were weak defending crosses. So that's why we wanted to cross all the time. Um, so there's like, we know that he is reactive like that. Yeah. And um, so again, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but in this context, I think it does make it difficult to, to win consistently over the course of 40 games that, you know, and that, that can be hit or miss that could in 16, 17, that proved not to be true. Um, but that was a deeper and better team. And, and in 17, he did have a style and uh, he was just exchanging pieces, but the, the tactical formation was pretty much the same. Yeah. Well, and then once, and, and then, and then basically, today, it, sorry, just that basically, and then it ended up being defined by the East goal and the diamond roll, which teams couldn't cope with that season. I think eventually they got the scouting report came out. They started the season after they, they were able to defend it. But that first season, it caught everyone off guard and that became the defining style. I'd say. Yeah. Um, Rafael Servia says, does anyone miss Kaylor Navas? I do. <laughs> I, it was bizarre. The, the change of colors in the teams, at the first couple of minutes, I was thinking that we were PSG and, and PSG were Real Madrid. <laughs> and, and the fact that Kaylor Navas was playing with a team in white was all the most disconcerting. <laughs> but yes, I, I last weekend I finally thought that Courtois had given us a couple of points with with the save, but today again uh, the first two shots is two goals. The first one in the in the near post, that's his ball. Every single time that should be his ball. I just don't understand. This is not the Courtois I saw with Atletico for years. Uh, because I mean, I'm not gonna say that that was an easy save, but that's a save that a, a top goalie at least parries away. I don't know if you saw, but after the game, he uh, Courtois. I I kind of want Courtois in that situation to take some blame on himself. Um, I always kind of respect when when players take ownership of their mistakes, and uh, he he said that you know when when we concede a goal. Uh, we have it's a it's a team effort. It's a, it's the job of a team, um, and as a goalkeeper, you always be frustrated when the other team scores. Um, you have to defend with twelve. You have to attack with, or sorry, defend with eleven. Attack with eleven. Um, I just didn't have time to react for the first goal. Um, and when you see the replay, everyone has to do their part to defend. To me, it was very clear that he was trying to deflect blame, and that didn't really sit, sit well with me. It's funny, like the idea of missing Kayla, and I agree with you. By the way, I have no idea like what happened to him since really his athletic days. Chelsea, he had his moments. World Cup, he had a good one. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he's terrible or bad. I just think that there is, there is definitely, and I don't think any of this is, this is his fault either. Like, this is, it would be unfair to pin it on him, but I think at the same time, um, it's not, I do tend to lean in the camp that thinks he's a bit overrated, but it's funny, with the Kaler thing and missing him, my dad was texting me throughout the game. And my dad's a type of Madridista who's like, I think, 
if he had access to Twitter or knew how to use it, he would be very like much so like the the very reactionary Madridistas who my dad's the type of person who ever since you know I grew you know, we were watching Real Madrid games when I was a kid. He always he never liked any signings. He always wants to keep every player and not buy any players. So like he for example when we signed Robin, it took him like years to be like, wow, Robin is amazing. And then when we sold him, he was furious. And now like with Hazard, he's totally like, I don't see what this guy brings. And texting, he was texting me throughout the game. He's like, I miss Di Maria. I miss Kaylor. Uh, and uh, just a, uh, it's just funny to see that dynamic in, in the family. But like, um, I think the Kaylor one is one that kind of resonates with unanimously. I don't, he, Kaylor is one of those guys where I think you can, there's a rare breed in the sense that everyone he was unanimously loved and unanimously missed. I think. I was I was I was gonna say I always thought we could have a better goalie than Kaylor when Kaylor was here. Yeah, and that's true. But I also have to say that he was fantastic with us. So, I mean, we all remember misses, high crosses, etc. But all in all. Um, I felt safe, and uh, today I don't feel safe with with Courtois. I just don't. Yeah, because with Kaylor, while you could upgrade him, you look at the people who would upgrade him, and it's like Ter Stegen, Oblak, Newer, yeah. Allison. It's like the people you're yeah. not they're not attainable. So you're at the basic, at the next best threshold with Kaylor, I think. Yeah. Um. I'm just going to read this one. It really has nothing to do with anything. Well, it does to to a certain extent. But Rafael Servia, Servia posted in the Patreon group um, to another patron who lives in Madrid. Uh, but this was kind of a general question, I think, that I wanted to ask you in particular, Ed, because you obviously live in Madrid and you would have some tips here. Um, he says, anyone around in Madrid tonight to catch the game or suggest a good spot to do so? I'm tired of watching it at... Uh, Siente Montatidos, uh, thanks in Hala Madrid. So, where, like, I, this is a genuine question. Where in Madrid do you go to watch the game if you can't go to the game? What's the best play place? I don't do uh, matches outside of, of my home. I get really nervous, and I, I'm, but uh, you, I mean, the, the best thing to do if you really want to do something local is to go to the bar closest to your house as simple as that we don't have sports bars as such they try to do to, to put uh, to to um to launch a couple of them but they didn't work so the next similar thing to to a sports bar are irish pubs and we have plenty of those and uh, you will probably watch a match surrounded by english speaking people so that would that should be fun but if you want to do something authentic, um, pretty much everybody in Madrid shows La Liga or the Champions League. So, go. I, I would go to the bar because you will you will meet uh, the typical characters of each neighborhood, and uh, that will be such a that will be like a, a local experience. Um, but I don't have a specific spot uh, where I watch matches. Uh, I, I just do it at home if I'm not. At the stadium, I'm the same way. I can't, I can't, I can't watch it with other people unless it's like close friends or family. Uh, I just can't do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. By the way, when I was in Miami just this past spring, there was a Siente Montaderos there. Couldn't believe it. They they're expanding to <laughs> well, North America. Uh, that 
at least it's cheap. No, they have. They, it's a pretty large franchise. And uh, I knew it was big in and, Spain, uh, but I had no idea they had they had they had progressed past Spain. That's crazy. It started with a couple of bars in Andalusia, mm. and uh, it's expanded nationally and then internationally. They're in five or six countries. It's amazing. Is and there, again, it's really cheap. I mean, if if you if you want to go to a cheap bar, that's that's the best you can do. I always end up there in Madrid just because that seems to it always like it's like very highly reviewed on Yelp for tapas, but I don't actually. I don't like. Cien Montaditos is highly reviewed for tapas. On Yelp, yeah. Wow. Is that so? But that could just be a bunch of tourists who don't know what they're talking about. Maybe. It's, it's like <laughs> the McDonald's of tapas. Is to hamburgers is uh, what McDonald's is to hamburgers. Okay, is what, that's good uh, to know. So it's like it's a factory not... of tapas. Okay, so it's they not do, the authentic, do... like handcrafted ma and pa. No, obviously. No. Yeah. No. I don't know because I'm not a I'm not huge on tapas, so I don't I don't really know how to to measure it. <laughs> if you go to the Montaditos, I can understand why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that experience ruined it for me. I don't know. Um, the, all, the 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 thing I always enjoy is the 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 pimientos, the grilled ones with the the chunks of salt on top. That those I could eat yeah. like candy, like easily. Um, but I'm not much into jamón y queso and huevo, so that's why I think I don't, I know. I don't enjoy much. Yeah. I know, but there's plenty of tapas who have nothing to do with that. Well, okay, we'll we'll examine that next time. You well, know. I'll be there. I'll be there next week, actually. So well, let's go take Great. me take me to the best tapas bar. You know, um, Great. I so I don't. Uh, I, there's a few questions left, but I think we're gonna have to bring them forward to the next podcast because they're not match related and we, we're pressed for time. So apologize if I didn't get to your questions. Some of these questions actually have are rolling in now that we're almost done recording. So we'll bring them forward. Promise to the next episode. Um, Eduardo, anything else left? Uh, do you want to to plug before we finish? I guess no, your I column this night to go away. Yeah, <laughs> your column <laughs> on finish. Sunday will be very dependent on what happens in Seville. The tone of it, obviously. So we'll have to wait to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Eduardo, thank you so much. I know it's late there. Great so, talking uh, to you. Well, yeah. Pleasure is all mine. As always, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And hala marid. Hala marid. <laughs>